Hello, and welcome to the On Your Left podcast, the politics podcast that's probably to your left. My name is Katrina Ames, and I use she, them pronouns. And I'm Nirali Shat. I use she, her pronouns. We are in your, uh, I was gonna say sub boxes, but that's not the right platform. We are in your podcast feeds every single Wednesday night, so please, please hit the follow button and share this podcast with all of your friends. You love the sound of our voices. Your friends will love the sound of our voices in their ears every Wednesday. So, um, yeah, tell your friends, tell your family, do the things. And if you want to help support us in making this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. We would love to have you as a patron. It's the giving season. Tis the season to um, sign up to be our patrons at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. Support the less fortunate podcast hosts you know and love. (laughs) Okay, so what are we talking about today, Katrina? We are talking about the presidential transition because it is finally happening. Yeah, Emily finally decided um to uh like do her job (laughs) i really don't like that i don't know her last name i just know her as emily from the gsa which is offensive to me personally as like someone who was in a gay straight alliance in high school yes (laughs) okay um (laughs) so for people who don't know what we're talking about We are talking about Emily Murphy, the administrator of the General Services Administration, a Trump appointee who is formally uh, in charge of the presidential transition and has designated Joe Biden the winner of the 2020 presidential election almost immediately after we finished recording last week, which I also think is offensive. Yeah, just this whole thing is homophobic, like everything about this. Yeah, so um, the reason why this approval was so important is because it approved it is because it provides Biden with federal funds for his transition, which he was not getting. He um, actually posted a donation link at one point because they were running out of money from campaign funds um, to like pay people to work for him. Um so he finally has the money to pay people to work for him, and we are always pro-paying people who work. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, the Office of Presidential Transition is not exactly an office where you're rolling in it. Uh, it's an office that exists for, like, three months every four to eight years. It's not a big budget. No. But it's something. It's something. Um, This move also authorizes Biden's aides to begin working with Trump administration officials um, so they could know things like, hey, what are the current pandemic plans? Uh, How are we we handling vaccine distribution and development? (laughs) Those kinds of things. You okay, Katrina? No. You seem stressed. Yeah. (laughs) me neither me neither um it would it would have been nice for um this uh, uh 
historic, peaceful transition of power, the, the, this traditional thing that we do called a peaceful transition of power to have been more peaceful and more transitive than it has been. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, this also allows Biden to begin receiving the same intelligence briefings that the president is currently receiving. Most presidents, I would say the president is currently reading, but um, we all know he doesn't read those briefings. Yeah, I think it might be like... I remember like a few years ago it came out that uh, the briefing team actually puts a Donald Trump's name every couple of sentences so that he continues to read his briefings. And... I mean, yeah, I guess Biden is also having to read Donald Trump's name every few sentences. Like, I will admit that um, as an English major who whose homework it was to read a full novel for, like, every class I was in every week, I didn't do all the readings. But um, I'm not running a country. The only thing at risk was my grade. Um, it's okay to skim Mrs. Dalloway. It's... Yeah, yeah. Although Virginia Woolf was a genius. Um, but this is not... This is not works of fiction that you just have to write papers on. This is, like, stuff that could change the world. And it, it's nice that the, the future president is finally going to have access to the information he needs to run the country. That's good. Yeah, this could potentially... Um change some of his policy plans or potentially change who he nominates to top positions because he will need to deal with upcoming problems and the world keeps changing we want the best possible people in charge of the government not just during this transition but to handle whatever comes next in the world yeah um, yeah because um what the, what what's going on right now wasn't really foreseen um until December of 2019 yeah we need people who um won't react terribly when terrible stuff happens on that note let's talk about the people <laughs> that um Biden has uh has already announced will be um, part of his cabinet, uh, should the Senate approve of those people. But you know what? Not necessarily, because, um, because, uh, Donald Trump decide decided to forego Senate approval for all of his cabinet positions and, like, just put the title acting before every, uh, position. Just, like, let him run the country. Which is bad, but it's technically legal. That was designed for if uh, the Senate is not in session, you could just appoint someone to run the country for like three three months. Uh, I believe B President Biden would actually try to get Senate approval for all of his presidential appointments that require Senate approval because he wants to run the country in line with our democratic institutions like the Constitution. But he doesn't really have to if if the Senate proves to be 
as terrible as it has been since 2008. So, yeah. <laughs> we got options. Especially because the people he cho chose are, are like, picks that in previous times, in the before times, would have would have gone through without a hitch. So let's talk about Treasury. Uh, Janet Yellen is Biden's first choice for Treasury Secretary, one of the oldest positions in the presidential candidate, going all the way back to Alexander Hamilton. And embarrassingly for us, Yellen would be the first female Treasury Secretary. Good for her, though. Yeah. Love that journey for her. Don't love that journey for this country. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, let's talk about who Janet Yellen is, because her name should definitely sound familiar to you. So, um, she led the White House Council of Economic Advisors during the Clinton administration in the 90s. She was appointed to be the uh, chair of the Federal Reserve during the Obama administration, and she served from 2014 to 2018, um, where, according to the New York Times, her policies laid the groundwork for a strong labor market, a record-long expansion that drove unemployment to its lowest rate in 50 years before the pandemic turned the world upside down. That's um, getting things done. That's incredible. Yeah. And truly, no one could have predicted the pandemic. No. Um, but also, Janet Yellen wanted to be reappointed when her term as Fed's chair ended in 2018. Uh, but President Trump broke the precedent of reappointing Fed chairs uh, nominated by people from a different party. Um, and instead nominated Jerome H. Powell, who is the current Fed chair. And he seems to be doing a great job at pleasing Wall Street because the stock market is stable and nothing else in our lives is. I would uh, I would label this economy as chaotic wealthy. <laughs> yeah. That seems right. With a sprinkling of evil in there too. I don't know if that's part of the alignments, the uh, eco economic maybe alignments. Maybe just like chaotic capitalism, because that lets you know that it's evil. That's... Yes, yes. Um, well, I like that, like, capitalism, socialism, communism, and then, like, it's like the, what are the three? Chaotic, neutral, lawful? Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, lawful capitalism... Neutral capitalism. Well, there's no such thing as neutral capitalism, but um, <laughs> the rest of it works surprisingly well. <laughs> we're going to write up an alignment chart and it's going to be so good. Yeah, we're going to make that alignment chart later. Uh, let's keep talking about Janet Yellen. As Treasury Secretary, um, under the Biden administration, she would be at the forefront of navigating the economic fallout created by the pandemic. Um, like I just said, Wall Street's fine, but um, literally no one else is. People are continuing to lose jobs because the pandemic is continu continuing to ruin businesses. And um, 
yeah, hopefully she'll be able to put some money back into the pockets of normal people because they need them the most. And the good news is that she has really been a champion of continued government support for workers and businesses, publicly warning that the lack of aid to state and local governments would slow recovery um, during this time. And she did initially praise uh, both Congress and the administration for their rapid response to the pandemic and the economics of the situation, and then heavily criticized them when they stopped doing things. That's good. I like that in a person. <laughs> no, I think that's, it's fantastic that um, she has been loud about the fact that they, the people need money um, and small businesses need money and um, not, it's not just Wall Street that needs help. Um, yeah. Uh, Yellen also has the endorsement of uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, um, who we all know at this point. Um, and uh, Warren wrote on Twitter that uh, Janet Yellen had Warren wo <laughs> Warren wrote uh, Warren wrote on Twitter that uh, Yellen would be an outstanding choice for Treasury Secretary. She is smart, tough, and principled, and as one of the most successful Fed chairs ever, she has stood up to Wall Street banks, including holding Wells Fargo accountable for cheating working families, um, which is incredible. Yeah, and uh, I really like what uh, this administration is doing and what Democrats have been doing with as these new announcements come out, because a lot of progressive people wanted to see Senator Elizabeth Warren as Treasury Secretary. Uh, it is definitely a thing that a lot of people called for, so this endorsement carries a lot of weight and also helps unify the party as a whole so we can focus on other important fights instead of having this inter-party fight. Yeah, which there will definitely be a lot of inter-party fighting as we go on, because, um, like, Biden is not a bastion for the left, as we all know. But, um, at this point, um, the, I feel like the public needs to see unity within the party because Trump is still in office, um, and we need to see things getting done again before we can start fighting more. <laughs> um, which we, fighting will happen, don't worry. Um, I do want to mention um, the Wells Fargo thing again before we move on from Yellen because it's really incredible that um, in 2018, on her last day in office, um, as chair of the Fed, uh, the Fed hit Wells Fargo with heavy sanctions in response to uh, their widespread consumer abuses. Uh, they made 3.5 million fake, cons fake customer accounts using their customers and making fake accounts for them that the customers never knew about, which could have 
which could and did ruin the credit of many, many people. Um, they screwed over so many people and it was just horrible. And, um, yeah, the fact that Yellen did this in her last day of office, she worked through that day knowing that she should have continued to be in her seat, in her position as Fed chair after that day because a uh, precedent dictated that she would be able to stay in her role for eight years. Um, and she, she did that. She, um, she, uh, stood up to the big banks and that's what she's about, which I appreciate, even though she is, um, like still a capitalist. It's really hard to keep working until the end when you know that you should have more time to do more things. Uh, and I think this was an excellent statement on her last day in office to start that process so that the next Fed chair would have to continue it. This is a pretty great pick for Treasury Secretary um, of a Biden administration. And um, I'm excited to see what she does. Um, yeah, pretty cool. Should we talk about DHS now? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about Alejandro Mayorkas, who is Biden's choice for the head of the Department of Homeland Security and would be the first Latino and the first immigrant to ever lead the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, that's pretty incredible, um, considering, uh, Homeland Security historically is a, a pretty racist department. I mean, it was founded in like 2002, though, so it's not quite as embarrassing for us. I mean, is it not quite as embarrassing or is it more embarrassing because it was done in a direct response to 9-11? And everything about our direct response to 9-11 was just embarrassing. Perhaps the department as a whole <laughs> is embarrassing, but not that he's the first immigrant uh to do it because that's honestly quite a fast turnaround for the united states yeah yeah it's not bad the the, the turnaround numbers wise it's not bad i mean for a, a department that shouldn't exist i'm glad an immigrant is in charge of it Obama tapped uh, Mayorkas to serve as the director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, um, which uh, is a mixed bag for me personally. Um, citizenship and immigration in this country has been broken for a long time and it did not get fixed under Obama really um but it does prove that he has the experience and the previous knowledge necessary to handle uh the job of heading the department of homeland security yeah and that's a good thing because as the head of the department of homeland security um yorkers would take the lead on enforcing immigration and border laws providing a coordinated response to terrorism maritime aviation and cybersecurity threats he would also be in charge of the federal emergency management agency or fema which has been doing a lot to help uh states and towns coordinate a pandemic response and 
start serving people who have been affected by COVID-19. Yeah. So, um, yeah. FEMA is incredibly important. I don't... I'm not a fan of the rest of it, I will say. I do think cybersecurity threats is really important, considering, you know, how they have influenced our elections. Um, But, um, yeah. He's in charge of enforcing the immigration and border laws. I really hope he um, just kind of forgets to do that a little bit, personally. (laughs) Um, Or or just undoes Trump policies. Yeah, I I really think that's going to be his major responsibility with all of this is to undo so many policies and so much damage that Donald Trump has done, which isn't an exciting job. It's definitely something that just kind of, it's going to take a lot of time and it's honestly going to feel like we're moving back to something that didn't really work. But honestly, if we need to start, by like ending harm that we are currently doing before we make things better that does make sense to me yeah yeah i just i work in immigration so i'm just like sick of it all (laughs) personally (laughs) um but you know what i hope he makes my job harder in the next few months because all of the rules will change should he change them so that way i hope i have to learn new rules soon um yeah so um as uh the former uh deputy secretary of homeland security he oversaw the agency's response to the ebola and zika outbreaks um which is some pretty good experience um as someone who would be in charge of fema um I think that is necessary experience, um, and I really hope that that is at the forefront of his to-do list come January 21st, or whenever he gets approved. Whenever he gets Senate approval. He's going to have a really difficult road ahead of him, but I don't know. I like that he is experienced. At least I like that he knows what he's doing. I like that he understands how to deal with a pandemic. And um, also that he was one of the architects of the DACA program. That makes me feel like I can trust him. Um, I wish that a lot of things went further and that he was more progressive. But I do feel like he's on our side on a lot of these issues and will approach his job with compassion instead of malevolence. That's that's how I would describe the current Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, it's, it's very clear that um, as the creator of the DACA program, he, this, this person wants reform to happen um, because DACA was an attempt at reform. Um, some, it was, it was some reform and it was great. I hope he is able to go further. I really hope more happens. Um, And um, I think it will, um, especially because um, your old boss, Katrina, uh, Julian Castro, uh, 
endorsed him. Um, in addition to being your old boss, he was also the secretary of housing and urban development under the Obama administration. So a another so someone who like knows what being in the cabinet entails. Yes, but uh, maybe more importantly, one of my most famous Twitter followers. Hey, Julian, how you doing? Hey, Julian. Um, I hope you. I hope you're listening to us. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Julian Castro wrote on Twitter: Alejandro Mayorkas is a historic and experienced choice to lead an agency in desperate need of reform. As an immigrant and a creator of the DACA program, he's well suited to undo Trump's damage and build a more compassionate and common sense immigration agenda. Which, to be honest, I wanted Julian Castro to be nominated uh, for this seat, and I think a lot of other progressive people did. But I also trust him. Uh, So this endorsement means a lot to me, because I think he'll do a good job, because the person I trust, trusts them. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a feeling this isn't the last we'll see of Julian Castro and his involvement with the Biden administration personally. But um, yeah, it's really a, a good sign if um, the guy who ran for president on immigration reform backs you. And it's just another thing that we saw um, with Warren's endorsement of Yellen. The progressive movement is steadily approving these picks so that we can focus on other fights that need to happen and not on these things that honestly we have no control over. So uh, should we talk about the State Department? (sighs) Let's move on to the State Department and Anthony Blinken, (laughs) who is Biden's first choice for Secretary of State. Um, He was the former Deputy Secretary of State under President Obama, which also means he worked directly under Hillary Clinton. In addition to all of that State Department experience, um, Blinken has been working with Joe Biden for uh, nearly 20 years as a top aide in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and later as Biden's uh, national security advisor when Biden was vice president. Um, So he has a lot of experience and it's very clear that Joe Biden personally trusts this man. Um, and yeah, he knows what he's doing. He, he knows foreign policy. So that's nice. It's nice to have a secretary of state who knows foreign policy. Um, it's nice to have a, a, a future president who, um, won't put his son-in-law in charge of fixing the Middle East yeah, I I think a lot of people are really just expressing relief that uh, Biden is nominating people with actual experience. Um, and Anthony Blinken is someone with actual experience and has a real relationship with the president, unlike the many, 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 many hacks and uh, that Donald Trump appointed, whose whose sole purpose seemed to be undermining and dismantling the agencies they were in charge of. Oh, don't forget that they also wanted to sell books. 
Oh, after they were done ruining the country. Yeah, don't buy their <laughs> don't books. Don't forget that. No, don't support their books. Employees of the publishing companies that buy the rights to their books are walking out of the companies. Like, they are protesting this stuff. Um, yeah, it's bad. Um, so one thing I wanted to highlight about uh, Blinken is that he acknowledges his mistakes. Um, so according to a CNN article, uh, Blinken has spoken about the sense of responsibility he feels about the policy in Syria under the Obama administration. Um, and said that all those who worked on it have to acknowledge that we failed, not for want of trying, but we failed to prevent the horrific loss of life and massive displacement that occurred in Syria. I think it's good that he's willing to be critical of himself and acknowledge where he's failed because that hopefully means he's willing to learn from his mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Um, we've seen what happens when someone refuses to acknowledge that they are wrong in any way and it is bad um and the fact that he has experience with um doing something uh not good and then realizing that and uh learning from it means that moving forward he will probably not make that mistake again and he will probably figure out a different foreign policy if anything similar happens in the next few years, which, let's be real, the entire world broke this year. Things are going to go down once we have a vaccine. That's really makes me feel better because Blinken's top priorities will most likely be reestablishing the United States as a trusted ally and rejoining global agreements and institutions to make the world a better place and cooperate with other countries. Um, so we'll be rejoining and the things like the Paris Climate Accord, the Iran nuclear deal, and the World Health Organization, which we left during a pandemic for some reason. I, we know the reason. <laughs> yes. We know the reason. We know the reason. It was just um, a bad... Let's just undo some bad choices we've made as a country. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah, this is, um... It's... Like, I don't know how I feel about America going back to being the world's policeman. But... That is still better than what we have right now. So it's a good thing to rejoin these global agreements like the Paris Climate Accord, of course, and the Iran nu nuclear deal should Iran want to come to the table again. Um, and uh, of course, joining the World Health Organization is huge and incredibly important. So yeah, these are, these are not bad things. Um, and I'll take not bad. <laughs> um, and speaking of the Paris Climate Accord, uh, we also have John Kerry, who will be Biden's international envoy on climate, which is huge. 
Because uh, we just made up this position for him. Yeah, it's a brand new position. <laughs> um, so, uh, if you don't know who John Kerry is, um, he was a senator, and he was the Secretary of State. Um, he helped negotiate the Paris Climate Agreement with Barack Obama. Um, he also ran for president at one time. Um, but, yeah. The big thing, the really big thing about this is that he helped negotiate the Paris Climate Agreement and he was Secretary of State, um, which means he has a lot of foreign policy experience and specifically climate-based foreign policy experience. Um, that's going to be massive going forward. Um, yeah, and I can't wait to see what he does in this position. Yeah, and there, there are two things I like about this new position existing. First, it shows that this administration is really committed to fighting climate change because they are making sure that there is someone that's just in charge of this response. Um, but also, it is not a cabinet-level position, so it does not require Senate confirmation. John Kerry just has the job. So he can start on day one. Yep. Another thing I really appreciate about uh, John Kerry specifically being uh, this international envoy on climate is that he uh, worked with uh, the Sunrise Movement. Specifically, he worked with Varshini Prakash of the Sun Sunrise Movement on the Biden-Sanders task force that um, once Joe Biden got the Democratic no nomination, he created so that um, he could continue to work with the left on uh, serious issues um, that we want to make happen. Um, so, yeah, the Sunrise Movement is this massive climate leftist organization, and the fact that John Kerry was working with someone from that movement is huge. Look, it's, it's great that John Kerry doesn't need Senate approval, but every other position we talked about today does. And that means uh, it is time to move on to how we can act because we need to make sure we win these Georgia Senate runoffs in January. If we want an administration that is capable of undoing the harm that the Trump administration has done, even as they are nominating fairly moderate, experienced choices, which honestly, I like the experience, uh, but we need them to get approved. So you can go to gasenate.com right now and make a donation that will be split between Raphael Warnock, John Ossoff, and Fair Fight to protect the vote and send both candidates to the Senate. Yeah, we really need those Senate seats. Yeah, I don't know what else to say other than the. in order to get anything done, in order to push Biden to the left, we need to put him in a position where he does not have to negotiate with the right which means we need these Senate seats. Yeah, and even then, that only gets us 50 Senate seats. So it basically means that, like, Joe Manchin and Lisa Murkowski and Senator Collins will be the senators who kind of set what the agenda is because everyone needs their votes if we're going to get anything done. Yeah, although the vice president is the tiebreak vote. If we can get 50 votes, Kamala Harris will be the tiebreaker and will always vote the Democratic way. Um, so, yeah, 
we we need this. Um, I also want to, uh, mention, uh, that, uh, it is getting cold in most areas of America. It is, uh, COVID is getting worse in most areas of America, especially rural areas of America. Uh, more people are losing their jobs. More people are going hungry. Um, if you can donate to your local food pantry, um, Katrina said last week that donating money is best because the food pantry knows exactly what it needs. Um, but yeah, that it, it's incredibly important that we keep helping people as we try to fight these battles, these big battles for uh, Senate races and things like that. We need to help the individual person. Um, you can also check out people's GoFundMes and, you know, donate some money there. Um, just give whatever you can. Tis the season, and also people need it now more than ever. Also, you know, we're, uh, we're getting around to, uh, Christmas. A lot of, uh, people will be making plans for what they're gonna do, which hopefully you're, uh, planning to celebrate just within your household or virtually. Uh, I'm planning on mailing some gifts out that I've been making, but... Uh, please don't see your family and the, the, the people outside of your household or your quarantine bubble for Christmas. Uh, or, you know, make sure every person you see is quarantined before the 25th and maybe listen to our episode from last week on celebrating Thanksgiving during the pandemic for more tips. But, you know, let's just act responsibly this holiday season. I don't know what else to say other than that the holidays are going to be hard. Thanksgiving was difficult. Um, this is going to be harder. But if you do this now, next year, you can do whatever the hell you want for Thanksgiving and Christmas. We hope. We hope. Um, also, uh because Christmas is coming up, I want to shout out um, independent stores. Uh, so please support indies while buying gifts. Please don't buy from Amazon. Um, Amazon is an evil, evil company, and we all know this. Um, and it is hard to not shop from there when sometimes they are the cheapest option. But please do your best to support your local independent businesses. Some of them have price match guarantees, so ask about that um and also um you can support the usps but when you buy gifts by you know sending sending gifts through the mail instead of visiting people so that's good uh and you can also support uh our podcast while buying gifts if you want to buy books for people you love if you go to bookshop.org slash shop slash on your left pod we have a gift guide for all ages and um, that website supports independent bookstores. So, um, yeah, do all those things. We have great book recommendations. And it's really nice to decide what kind of businesses we want to survive in this economy. Which uh, is difficult, but Jeff Bezos doesn't need our money. So... 
let's uh let's move on to some good things i only have one good yes, thing yes good things and it's something you told me about <laughs> i have a few <laughs> but it's fine so <laughs> the biden family is adopting a cat real nice yes we haven't had any it's pets real cute. in I... the white house for four long years and they already have two dogs we're gonna have three pets in the white house which just means like cute pictures but that does mean cute pictures yeah i love cute pictures okay and um next in like the good things segment of our uh, podcast outline i have the sentence i can only assume you are going to talk about folklore so what do you have to say about folklore taylor swift decided to surprise us with um this incredible uh film experience um where she jack antonoff and um what's his face from the national aaron desner from the national um uh played every single song off of folklore and discussed the songs and the meanings behind them um but also didn't discuss them too much so you can still call seven gay if you really want to um which i do it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And also, uh, 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 on that same day, Taylor Swift was not there. Six Grammys um, for Folklore. And this is an album that she just wanted to make for the hell of it. She wasn't trying to do anything with it. And it's pretty incredible. And yeah, I highly recommend watching the Folklore Um Thing that's on Disney Plus. I don't know how else to describe it. It, like, they call it a concert, but it's not really a concert because they're just like in a studio, um, jamming out to every song. It's as much of a concert. It's very, very as good. We're gonna get right now. True. Um, what was I going to say other than that? It was very good, and I really enjoyed it. Um, oh, so I recommend watching that and then what I did. Um, my sister and I watched that together. And then after that, we were like, let's watch the Lover uh, the Lover concert in Paris. So we watched that. And then right after, we watched half of the Reputation Stadium tour. And that was a great experience. Highly recommend. Okay. You, you just see all facets of Taylor and how talented and what a genius she is. And that concludes the Taylor Swift portion of this podcast. The next thing I want to mention that's a good thing is that there is going to be a Yuri on Ice movie um, called Yuri on Ice Adolescence. If you don't know what Yuri on Ice is, it's a, it's a sports anime about men's figure skating. It's very, very gay. And... Um, without being like explicitly gay, but, um, it's, uh, it's very good. And they're, they're making a movie prequel talking all about, that's all about Victor's journey to being the best figure skater in the world. And it's going to be really cool to watch. And they posted a preview and I'm very excited about it personally. Have you watched Yuri on Ice? I have not. It's on my list of things to watch, which uh, I have steadily been working through while I've been unemployed. Uh, I am currently watching a show <laughs> called Assassination Classroom, 
and uh, which is my anime that we're working oh, through right now. And it's so it, it's about a space alien that uh, blew up the moon and is going to blow up the whole Earth in a year unless uh, humanity can stop him. And he has agreed to teach, to give a group of students the opportunity to try to murder him, provided he can be their teacher for a year. He's just teaching them, like, math. That sounds absolutely bonkers. That sounds bonkers. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's... It, it was um, originally, like, a gag manga with some, like, sci-fi elements, so it's weirdly wholesome for being a story about assassination. I love that. Um, I highly recommend... Yuri on Ice is one of my comfort shows. Like, I go back to it whenever I'm like, I just need something nice to watch. Um, it's, it's pretty short. It's only one season. Um... And they've been teasing a second season ever since the first season came out. Because it became extremely popular in fandom. Um, and yeah, it's very good. I highly recommend. It's very cute. Um, also, the last good thing is that it's my birthday! I don't actually know if this is a good thing because that means an entire year has passed since my last birthday. And the majority of that year has been horrible. I have mixed feelings about being 26. I think you managing to survive this whole year is good news. I'm glad I survived. I don't know if I'm better off for having survived, you know? Time will tell. But, yeah. It's my birthday. <laughs> Yay. Birth. Life. Not I'm death. still in my mid-twenties. It's an interesting time to be in your mid-twenties, let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you want to do our mango fact, because you found it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is normally your your thing, but uh, our mango fact this week is about the independent publishing house Mango and Marigold, a company with the goal to diversify children's books. They specialize in stories of South Asian experience, and... They donate 1,000 new books every time they have a book launch to try to make owning books more equitable. That's incredible, especially because they are an indie publisher. Yeah. Um, and don't necessarily have all the resources of, like, a Penguin Random House. You mean Penguin and Random House and Simon and Schuster? Yes. Um, let us know if you want me to rant about that on the pod next week. <laughs> I can. Yeah. Yeah, if you let us know between Wednesday and Sunday that we should talk about monopolies in the publishing industry, uh, we might do that, provided no other world-changing news happens. Fingers crossed. I would like the world to just take a second. Yeah. I would like to take a second. I want a vacation. Having these four days off was great. I want, I want a vacation now, though. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know how to provide you a vacation from life right now, but uh, we'll work on that. Um, for now, though, <laughs> if you want to hang out with us on the internet, you can find me at Katrina Ames on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch. Narali, where can we find you? 
You can find me at Firewood Sparkler on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. Um, I should have a couple new videos up on YouTube, so please check them out. Um, you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. Please support if you can. It would mean the world to us. Um, but we appreciate your listens. We appreciate all the love you give us. Thank you. And this has been the On Your Left Pod episode all about the presidential transition.